My message of support for my fellow New Zealanders, and every New Zealander, is that you matter. What you do matters, and even though it might not feel like it, you are making a difference. Kia ora, I'm Indira Stewart. Welcome to the Coronavirus Podcast. Thanks so much to everybody who sent through messages of support for their fellow Kiwis. Please keep sending them in. Download RNZ's Vox Pop app, it's free, and it'll give you a chance to ask questions for our expert guests. In fact, we've just put up a new request for people to share stories and questions about managing blended families during the lockdown. So please, let us know how you're managing that. Later in this episode, we're talking to the CEO of a courier company to explain how the new rules about online shopping and delivery work. But first, the headlines. Let's start with some good news. Yesterday, it was announced that New Zealand had secured more than 200 brand new ventilators. These are the essential machines for treating people with severe cases of COVID-19. RNZ's Phil Pennington spoke to Dr Andrew Stapleton from Hutt Valley DHB, who was involved in securing that deal. It's an extremely challenging environment at the moment. Uh, You may have even heard President Trump say that he can't get ventilators. I know, for example, there's some mega orders going in from Europe for 10,000 at a time. uh, And we are doing our best to get our hands on what we need for New Zealand. Uh, I'm as pleased as I have been for quite some time uh, in this process. So what has it taken to sort of get an inside line on this? Is it uh, because New Zealand's got a good reputation and we've got friends? Is that the sort of thing that's happened? That's exactly the sort of thing uh, and good business relations with several trading partners uh, and uh, there's a little bit of wiliness involved as well. Yesterday also saw 61 new cases of COVID-19 with 82 people recovered. Two people are in intensive care, and the total number of cases is now 708. If you look at graphs of New Zealand's COVID-19 cases, you'll notice that they're starting to bend very slightly downward from that exponential growth curve. But all our experts and officials agree it's far too soon to say we're winning the race against this disease. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern reiterated that message in her daily news conference. Because COVID-19 takes a while to incubate, we could still see increases in our numbers in the days to come off the back of transmission in the community prior to the lockdown that may yet be uh, rearing its head in visible symptoms. If the virus is in the community in this way, present but not yet seen, then the worst thing we could do is be relaxed or too complacent and allow a silent spread. I think we only need to look at some of the clusters of cases that we have in our community to know just how quickly COVID-19 can spread if we weren't, for instance, currently at level four. Uh, The schooling community of Marist in Auckland, the community of Matamata, if we weren't at level four, we could see outbreaks that were far, far worse down the track. Part of the reason our numbers look low right now has to do with a lack of testing. The number of tests has plateaued over the last several days and Ms Ardern says it's a major priority to boost testing capacity so that 5,000 tests can be done every day. 
We want to know as soon and as accurately as possible how widely spread COVID is in the community so we can be confident we have it back under control. But so far, the actual number of tests being done is well below capacity. Right now, New Zealand has the ability to complete 3,700 tests per day. But yesterday, we only actually tested just over 2,000 people, and the seven-day rolling average is only about 1,800 tests per day. I can't remember one day um, off the top of my head um, where the tests um, have met the capacity that we've had. So we've got the ability to do more tests than we're currently doing. Uh, and so ultimately, that's why you're here, me, continue to encourage that testing. Um, the change that clinicians made yesterday to broaden out the number of people captured will be a critical part of that. So why aren't we meeting that capacity? Well, several GPs have raised serious concerns about a lack of swabs needed to carry out tests. One GP told us that the main COVID-19 testing centre in Hastings had to close early yesterday because it completely ran out of swabs. That shouldn't be the case. And that's something that, of course, I will continue uh, to ensure that the Ministry of Health is dealing with that issue, that is just simply a distribution, not a capacity issue. We have the capacity, we have the swabs, we're constantly needing to make sure that they are across, across the country. What I will remind you is that we have set up in every community now specific testing stations, and that is to make sure that no matter where you are, you should be able to access a test. Hopefully we will soon have enough tests to give us a clearer picture of how this virus is spreading. But until then, we need to stay vigilant. And that doesn't mean older and more vulnerable New Zealanders. It means everybody. The most affected age range by COVID-19 in New Zealand is far and away currently 20 to 29-year-olds. They are the ones that we are identifying as having COVID-19 in New Zealand. Now, they may think, therefore, that it won't affect them as much, that they'll be mild to moderate. They are our vector for transmission. They're the ones who then pass it on. So I need everyone to take this seriously because whilst the over 70-year-olds are smaller, they are much more likely to succumb to this illness. The government has also announced new plans to get the economy up and running again once the lockdown is over. Industry leaders have been asked to find infrastructure projects that are ready to start as soon as the construction industry gears up again. The aim of this is to help reduce the economic impact of COVID by safeguarding jobs and businesses as much as possible. Projects from the private and public sector, including local government, that are shovel-ready or likely to be within six months, will be put before ministers. And I note that this is additional to the government's $12 billion New Zealand upgrade programme and existing provincial growth fund infrastructure investments. But in the meantime, many industries are teetering on the edge. The government has provided more than $23 billion in economic stimulus through its COVID-19 relief package. Nearly half of that has been earmarked for wage subsidies. But in spite of those efforts, Treasury Secretary Carolee McLeish says it's expecting a significant drop in GDP and a large rise in unemployment. We're expecting to see quite a, a very significant uh, increase in unemployment. Forecasts that are available on the market now um, range between 5% to well into the double digits. Again, that's broadly in line with, with our thinking. 
Meanwhile, the Finance Minister Grant Robertson says the Treasury has set up a new unit to look at ways of propping up larger businesses, which will be critical to New Zealand's economic recovery. Uh, that's bringing in outside expert advice um, from the commercial sector around what kind of things the government could do. So that could range from anything from loans through to potential equity purchases and so on as well. We're acutely aware that those network critical businesses and sectors like aviation or tourism, you know, we can see where the impacts are. In a lot of other areas, um, the large businesses are fine. Um, you know, if you think about supermarkets in themselves, um, telecommunications providers, for example. The media is an area where that sits within, I think, a broader set of recovery packages that we're going to be working on over the medium term. Earlier this week, it was announced that certain kinds of essential goods could be bought online and couriered to your door. But there's been a lot of confusion about exactly what the limits are. Do clothes count as essential? What happens if you ordered something non-essential before the lockdown, but it hasn't been delivered yet? To get some answers, we called up Scott Jennings, the CEO of Aramex New Zealand, formerly known as Fastway Couriers. Also, just a quick note, we had some technical trouble with the audio for this interview. Apologies for that. Can you talk about the restrictions that are still currently in place as of today on freight, courier and delivery services around New Zealand? So we do understand that a priority was given to essential items, but there are a lot of courier vans that we can see still driving around quite frequently around the CBD, um, dropping parcels to inner city residents. How do people determine what is essential? Um, as a courier service provider, um, you know, Aramex, or formerly Fastway, we are classed as an essential business. We're only permitted to move parcels for essential businesses. We have had numerous inquiries from businesses and our customer base whether they can deliver. Initially directed them to the excellent government COVID-19 website. It's updated daily. Our immediate focus was for the operations team to ensure our people can operate in accordance with the essential business guidelines and their safety, first and foremost, and that of our customers. And this has certainly been challenging and took priority. From there, our position was that it's up to each of our customers' business to determine whether their business activities are essential or not. What is classed as essential, you know, certainly can be subjective. So we try not to make a judgment call on what is essential and what is not. That is the customers. And, and if I give you an example, household goods such as domestic cleaning products might not be seen essential in the grand scheme of things. But if a household is, you know, runs out of soap, dishwashing liquid or spray and wipe, then it could be argued that those products are essential to their standard of living and, and making sure they're able to stay in lockdown in, in a clean environment. Uh, just recently with the government and MBIE, um, they've relaxed the rules for the online trade of what are now classed essential non-food consumer products, such as heating and appliances. M MBIE are establishing a register to collect this information and for courier service providers and transport providers to understand who are permitted to move those goods and who aren't. That register should have been available from yesterday and our teams will be reviewing that today and through the course of the week. As long as the fulfilment process and last mile courier services can do so in a safe and contactless manner, that list of essential goods may broaden further to include other goods for well-being. Um, for example, books, jigsaw puzzles, whilst we remain in lockdown. Just to be clear, with the recent changes to some of the restrictions on place on what is essential items, uh, and now with people being able to shop online for a few more things, so does clothing, 
things like baby goods and household items, do they fall into that category now? It's still a little vague, so clothing doesn't. I think the government have done a great job in such a short time to provide as much guidance as they can. I do expect that list to broaden, as long as those goods can be traded online in an environment where human contact is as limited as possible. And what happened to the parcels that perhaps are not considered essential, but they were in the middle of the delivery process prior to the announcement? Is there a backlog of parcels like that? There was a backlog. Um, I'm pleased to say our teams reacted across the country as quickly as they could, and that backlog has, has diminished. There are still items being held in facilities across the country that fall into that category, and our track and trace status have been updated. So if a customer is looking for their goods, they can complete a track and trace. They'll see that it's held in our facilities because it's deemed a non-essential good. And for those parcels, I suppose, when, when is the earliest option that a customer would be able to get that? Is that after lockdown? Yes, after lockdown, we've got our teams reviewing the government's announcements daily around what's deemed an essential good and what's not. We've stopped consumers coming to our facilities. They're not supposed to be out and about. Check our track and trace. The status update will be very clear on whether their goods are held or not. And obviously, if they know those goods are um, essential, then we can make an assessment and we can work with those individuals on a case-by-case scenario. But we don't have x-ray vision to look into parcels. Are there fewer parcels dispatched from your service coming from overseas? 100%. So volumes are dramatically down. That's twofold, really. One, the number of airlines coming to the country dramatically reduced, so there is limited cargo space. Two, a lot of our international customers are focusing on their own local markets and supporting the local markets and their local teams, you know, trying to keep their own local teams safe. So they've been unable to dispatch goods. As goods come into the country, they are being cleared through customs and customs has full visibility of what those goods are. When those goods are handed over to us, we are assuming those goods are essential and uh, fulfilling the last mile in the supply chain. Now, Australia is still operational in terms of online stores dispatching goods, which could change soon if they do go into lockdown. But some Australian businesses have say they've seen a spike in sales from New Zealand. What have you observed so far? Um, again, we've seen a dramatic reduction from all of our international partners and customers, and that, that includes Australia. They've limited their cross-border shipments to move their goods. But also, from what we've seen, they're adhering to the New Zealand government stance around essential goods. We certainly have seen a spike in the likes of medicines or vitamins, but most of our uh, international customers, dramatic reduction in volume into New Zealand. Do you have any stats or information on exactly where goods are coming from? If you're carrier posting a lot more you know, nationwide New Zealand as opposed to things coming from overseas, what kind of items are you seeing? So domestically, it really does depend on, on our uh, regional franchisee network's customer base. You know, Some regions are, tra- are trading at about 40% down, uh, 40% of their normal trade. Some are in the sub fives. It really does depend on their customer base. We've been ensuring that our network adheres to the government guidelines around essential businesses and essential goods. Overseas, it's it's our usual markets, our strong markets being Australia, US, Asia and the UK, but the volumes are so dramatically low. And again, customs plays a big part in this in terms of validating what goods are coming into the country and whatnot before handing over to last mile service providers like ourselves. It's obviously been a huge adjustment for a lot of people, not just personally, but professionally as well. 
What are the biggest impacts that this has had on your business? Well, first and foremost, you know, I'm very proud of uh, the team out there, um, you know, that are having to abide by, um, you know, very strict guidelines in terms of social distancing, um, in terms of how we operate our facilities. Our facilities are usually a hive of activity, swapping freight, so we've had to really scale back and ensure our teams are adhering to that, that social distancing guideline set by the government. Main challenges from a supply chain perspective is we get goods to customers in, in as a timely fashion as possible because the goods that they are ordering are essential in the pharmaceutical products, food items. We're prioritising to ensure that the delivery um, service window is is not impacted as much as you would think it would be at this time. Great feedback I'm getting from my fleet is obviously, um, you know, they don't have the daily challenge of traffic issues right now, so a good positive to take out of this. But the key, really, that we're sending to our customers is take responsibility, make sure that you are handing over essential goods only so we can ensure that those essential goods are delivered within a satisfactory uh, delivery window. From a delivery perspective, we're still seeing a lot of customers order goods um, and businesses order goods and they're forgetting that they're not operating from their facilities or their place of work. So a lot of people are ordering online, their default was a, a work address. Be very selective on choosing your correct delivery address where you're working from home and also provide our network a clear delivery instruction on where we can leave the goods without coming into contact with you. I guess I call out all essential businesses at present. You know, you're all doing a fantastic job. I guess we're looking at our carriers and operations teams as our heroes. And I'm very humbled by how our network of um, courier franchisees and operations teams have, I guess, called to action to ensure essential goods can get to the intended recipients in, in as timely a fashion as possible. It's very humbling. Thanks very much, Scott, and thanks to all of you for listening. Please remember to send in your questions and comments to the show. You can do that through RNZ's Vox Pop app. It's free, it's easy to use, and available for both iPhone and Android. We'll be back with you tomorrow, but until then, be kind. Kia ho maru, kia kaha. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang and Sonia Sly. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. And while you're there, why not check out some of RNZ's other podcasts? If you're looking for something to educate and entertain your little ones, check out Nano Girls Great Science Adventures, a science podcast especially made for kids. Thank you.